Johnnies. It is Friday, December 2nd, and this is Game On. Coming up today, it has been all drama in the afternoon World Cup games. Alan Collie and Fergal Brennan will help us make sense of how it all unfolded. Jeff Shepard has their US sports. Jane Mangan will mark our cards for the weekend's racing action. And Shane Byrne teases up for the URC. If you want to get in touch, please text us on 51552 or tweet at Game On 2FM. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome along. Alan Cawley is with me in studio. Alan, it was one of those afternoons where for the last maybe 10, 15 minutes of the football, you couldn't take your eyes off it. You were co-commenting, commentating on Uruguay and Ghana. But after South Korea got that dramatic uh, last minute goal, uh, winning goal uh, against Portugal to almost put them through they had to see what was going to happen like what was going through your head in that game yeah um, you're going to have to help me through the next hour Marie, because I'm <laughs> exhausted after the afternoon um, it was just and I suppose coming off the back of the dramatic events that we witnessed last mm-hmm. night you're kind of thinking can there be a repeat of this You, you, the chances are there won't be but of course we should have known it would have come, mm-hmm. it would have played like this because obviously this was played out this match in the backdrop of all the controversy around the 2010 mm-hmm. game between Ghana and Uruguay as well when of course Suarez handled yeah. the ball and I'd just like to commend uh, Uruguay for putting Suarez up for media Brilliant. it was just genius yeah, it was. Like, I mean they're out now so maybe they might regret it a little bit but it just added so much spice to it and um, even that answer the question that the journalist asked when they said he was the, uh, the devil incarnate basically um, in Ghana for that handball and the way he was able to answer it and say well I didn't miss the penalty like he just he stoked it perfectly and set it up for us and you'd agree with everything that he said as well Marie to be fair you know like I even look back on those highlights last night and basically he handled the ball he would he did what mm. every other footballer in the yeah. whole world would have done playing for their country or a club and what team. every manager would want them to do as oh, well absolutely. Yeah, and so the no, manager said that no dispute over that and they still had the chance to. he got sent off they still had a chance to take the penalty and they still had a chance when it went mm. to the penalty shootout as well so I don't know why they're so bitter still to this day over that but as you say he was out on press conference mm-hmm. duties yesterday I thought he handled it brilliantly but then you're thinking going into that match there's all this talk about obviously the stick they're giving him and also about the fact that they're looking for a revenge they didn't bring any of that to the game if anything Suarez and Uruguay handled it so much better the occasion and he was brilliant in the first half he played a big part in the first goal and then he set up um, the second goal as well with a lovely little flick and at that stage they're absolutely cruising Uruguay and you're asking me what am I thinking at that stage and now we're 75 minutes in they're absolutely cruising there was no chance of Ghana coming back into the game they were really poor but as you say it was all eyes on the other match because that was the only way that they were going to come undone and of course South Korea getting that late goal word was filtering back into us and obviously <laughs> onto the pitch and you could see Suarez the director then went to Suarez every two or three minutes looking at his reaction he's devastated on the line because he had come off at this stage and then they tried everything and they should have had a penalty near the Emery there was a challenge on Edison Cavani which was a disgraceful mm-hmm. challenge not a disgraceful as in really bad it was a penalty it was a disgraceful decision for the referee not to give it and he never even checked it in the VAR I couldn't believe he didn't check it so so dramatic, so full of excitement, but ultimately they're going out Uruguay, and it's it's hard to believe. Like I, we were looking at the games last night as well in Germany and all, and you're thinking what's happening or what's going on here. But for that to repeat again today, and this has been kind of indicative of the World Cup so far. There's been so many dramatic moments, so many surprises, so many big teams struggling, and now Uruguay, who people were suggesting, mm-hmm. myself included, going into the tournament that their possible dark horses are gone. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Mm. And I think you, you you explained it so well there. Like we didn't expect for history to repeat itself or for events to repeat themselves so quickly after what happened last night. And there we are um, only a few hours later and it's like the exact same pretty mm. much. You know, a huge team uh, gone out, all drama, results that you weren't expecting. Um, Uruguay were going to regret it though, aren't they? When you think that they they really could have gone for it a little bit more. Yeah, and I mentioned early in the second half of the commentary because they were so comfortable and they were never looking like conceding a goal, Marie. Des put it to me that they still might need an extra goal if, if if South Korea were to score and it comes down to, after goal difference, it comes down to goals scored. So you're hoping at that stage and you're thinking, I, I said to Des, I hope they're kind of not getting lulled into a false sense of security because the game is so comfortable for them. Whereas if they went out and attacked and went for look 
and went looking for that maybe third or fourth goal and Ghana were so bad that when any time they attacked they looked like scoring so as you say they might look back on that and think but of course they weren't to know what was going to happen in the other match and you would have put all money on Portugal beating South Korea but maybe we shouldn't put all money on, on the chances of them be, because of what we've seen so far in the tournament it's just been incredible so they will be kicking themselves I think they'll kick themselves also about that opening day draw to South Korea mm. they hit the post twice and also I felt their approach against Portugal was wrong because they were so negative and so cautious in that match and they were happy just to sit in once they went to goal down they came out and had a go and had a ta- and they looked far better when they came out and had a go and they brought that into the game today he started with the attacking players uh, Palestri and Dara Seta that scored the goals as well and they looked so much better as an attacking force Marie but ultimately they didn't score enough goals across the three games it wasn't just today and they're gone Yeah Meanwhile then Korea scored it when it really mattered right mm. at the death that winner and let's remind ourselves of those goals Song Hyung Min leaves this one was that near post and it's there and it's in and Korea Republic get the equaliser it's Kim Yung Won rather easily and it's a counter-attacking platform for Song Kyung Min can he do it from here on his own Song Kyung Min still going now look for support they've got it they've got it Korea Republic have scored incredible is that the goal to put them through to the knockout stage Fergal Brennan is with us on the line as well Fergal if Son wasn't a national hero before this I'd say he definitely is now Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> the levels of support that he gets from the South Korea fans is is beyond hysteria. And I think kind of going into the tournament, there was the worry about mm-hmm. the injury and would he be fit in time? And then obviously having to wear the, the face mask as well to, to protect himself after the, the surgery. And I think he, he's quite a straightforward character when it comes to assessing his own performances. The first two games, not just for him, South Korea th- themselves didn't really show what they were capable of. And for... For portions of this game against Portugal, you thought this is going to be another example of a team that maybe people were looking at and thinking they've got a chance of last 16 quarters, but they're, they're probably going to fall short. But that response in the last 15, 20 minutes was was fantastic. And when you've got a player like him that is capable of those moments, I know even there's probably another level that he can go to from the way that he played today. And a very well-organised team, well-coached, that have got something to prove they can be a bit of a force and now they're through to the last 16 depending on how it falls further down the line they're going to get another opportunity to prove themselves but I think when you throw all of the games together I think they do deserve it Uruguay Alan touched on there they had their chances had the chances in the game today and they weren't good enough in the previous two games if you're not good in your first two games you have to make it count in that final game because the World the World Cup is, is a really tough um testing ground in these situations because you don't get that many chances if any to kind of recover from a poor result and when you do get a little glimmer of a chance you've got to take it and Uruguay didn't didn't quite do enough um, and South Korea did it was obviously dramatic and unexpected right at the end but those things make all the difference Alan I remember at the start of the tournament a couple of friends of mine uh, got South Korea in the sweepstakes and you know kind of laughing at them going oh lousy but like look at them now who would have thought it Absolutely yeah <laughs> and I think that's been um, such a feature throughout the tournament so far Marie, is those surprise packages <laughs> and it's been brilliant um, and we all love kind of the romance in us all obviously mm. we want maybe a big final or a big semi-final and, and the cream to rise to the top but I think for a tournament over the course of a month as well you want the kind of romance and the stories and we've seen plenty of that any amount of it Marie you're nearly hoping that we just get back to the, the big boys now <laughs> um, because there's been so many stories and that's another one today and in terms of the draw as well and obviously we would have done previews and you're looking at the way it may mm-hmm. pan out it's all up in the air on both sides of the draw as well Marie Um so I think we're in, obviously in for another interesting next couple of weeks. We're into yeah. the knockout stages tomorrow at around the 16 kicks in. Um, and I'm really like, it's, I think it's been absolutely brilliant so far. I've loved every minute of it. And again, I go back to the point I made to think of the drama last night. Like who would have expected for mm-hmm. one second that you would have had Japan and Costa Rica causing the trouble that they did last night. And then for that to be more or less repeated mm-hmm. again today, it's just been incredible. Yeah, it's been class. What about uh, Portugal though, Fergal? Did they just take the foot off the gas because they knew they were already through or... Were they just beaten by a team who wanted it a little bit more? 
Probably a little bit of both. I think when you're in a position where you're already through after two games, you are inclined potentially to, to take your foot off the gas. We definitely saw that with France in their final game against Tunisia. Um, and I think, yeah, there was, there was a little bit of that from Portugal. I think Portugal are probably delighted in the way this group has panned out. I said at the start of the tournament, this was the, the actual group of death in terms of it was difficult to pick two clear favourites that were going to go through. And I think Cristiano Ronaldo, Fernando Santos, all the Portuguese players will have been expecting more from the teams in the group in terms of the challenge that they put up to them. And they haven't really done it aside from a, a kind of 20, 30 minutes from South Korea today. I think Portugal have had it way more straightforward than they would have anticipated how that serves them in the knockout stages. Obviously, that's still to come in the next few days and, and weeks, potentially. Um, but I'd like to see them really tested, which I thought would happen in, in the group stages, particularly against Uruguay. And it just didn't really happen to, to the extent that I thought it would. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, they will find out, I guess, in the in the next while. Um, well, they'll, be te- they'll be tested, Marie, in the next round because they played a winner now, I think it is, of Serbia and Switzerland. So... If that's the case, they'll certainly be tested in the next round. And from what I've seen so far of Portugal, they've been OK, but they haven't really blown me away in any regard whatsoever. And I think that's a massive game that's obviously coming up now in the next wee while. Um, and they'll certainly test them. Um, Fergal, let's have a look at, at last night and Germany and just try and make sense of what happened Germany, how they've got to a stage where for the second time in a row they haven't got out of the group stages and just given... I know you can't rely too much on tradition, but they are a football superpower. They are. I mean, the, all the cliches were coming out when they got the draw against Spain that this was the wake-up call that Germany needed. Getting knocked out in the group stages four years ago was a blip when you think of Germany's position on the world football stage. Um, and I just think for, for various reasons, they, they didn't get the balance right throughout the tournament. And all the talk is going to be about the Japan goal and the one or two millimetres or certain camera angles that it was in or that it was out uh, in the game against Spain that got them through and eventually got Spain over the line as well. But ultimately, again, we're seeing another massive team because they are. I know now we've got back-to-back group stage exits for them. They're still the second most successful team in terms of winning the World Cup um, in its history. They're out at the same stage, two tournaments in a row. And I think Hansi Flick, in terms of his selection, maybe didn't get it right. I think he's maybe got a bit too much of a gap between the really experienced players that were part of the team that won it in 2014 and they've got some really exciting young players who for the next World Cup, for the next European Championships will be fantastic for them. But maybe there wasn't enough players in the middle, kind of at the right age, at the sweet spot of their club careers that were able to say, we still need your experience, but we need you to go and win us the game. And because that wasn't really right... um, the result last night obviously was dramatic and there was a 10, maybe even a 15-minute spell where it was Germany and Spain that were both going out. Ultimately, I don't think Germany fans will be looking at this and saying the Japan was-it-in, was-it-out decision was why they got knocked mm-hmm. out. They got knocked out because they weren't good enough across three games. Um, and, and that's one of the best parts about this World Cup so far is that, generally speaking, teams that have been complacent have been found out because it is the World Cup. You've got teams that are maybe not fancy to do brilliantly, but are highly motivated. And if you're a so-called elite nation and you're not quite there, you'll get picked off. And that's happened so many times in the last few weeks. There has to be questions about Hansi Flick, though, as well, Alan, and how suitable he is for the job because he did have the team for a year, but he just never seemed to be able to figure out what his best starting eleven is. And when you're going into a World Cup and you're changing your right back constantly in your, your centre-half partnership, it's no surprise really that they weren't able to get their performances. No, there was never any fluency in, I suppose, the team selection or the continuity amongst that team, or you're right, and he'll do well to survive this. I'd be shocked if he survives this, Hansi Flick, because you think of the criticism that they're facing back home now to be going out mm-hmm. uh, for the second time in a row, as you say, at the group stage, but particularly at the hands to Japan and Costa Rica in the group as well. Everybody would have foreseen that it would have been Spain and Germany to go through quite comfortably as well and that's not to be disrespectful to the other nations as well but as you mentioned in your intro they're a superpower two superpowers mm-hmm. Spain as well and for them to be caused the trouble as well last night so 
it might be a bit of a wake-up call for the countries because I think if you look across the the standard of, I suppose, coaching involved in football now and the exposure mm-hmm. there is to top quality coaches and the information at people's hands and at people's disposal across the board, there is no such thing as minnows now. They're all kind of closing the gap because yeah. of the level of coaching and the information that they're being fed. Nobody's poor anymore. Like there, there's, you know, teams there, are able to, to yeah. play to a certain level and there's technical capabilities in every team. Absolutely. And that's, again, as I say, it comes back to the standard of the coaching across the board from from the bottom mm. right up to the very very top so you are seeing the gap close there is no thing such thing as an easy game mm. as we're as everybody is finding out and everybody is seeing in this tournament I also think you look at the fitness levels and the conditioning of a lot of the teams as well that's true the roof never been better across the board as well so that's a bit of a leveller so it's up to I suppose the technical superior teams to come mm. up with maybe more creative ways to try and um out with these teams that are obviously trying to close the gap on them and that's what makes it great for us as viewers tuning in to watch these kind of spectacles where we love an underdog story but but I don't even think it's a case of an underdog as in almost like a no-hoper type story. Mm. Everybody is starting off the games now in with a fair chance and if they perform to their level and they implement the game plan that obviously a coach is putting in the detail that they're going to, to implement the plan it's giving everybody a chance and it's great to see. So Al, you've commentated or co-commentated on nine games now. You've seen pretty much every single game mm. in this World Cup. I know it's probably silly to go there, but if Ireland were there, how they've got on? <laughs> well, that's it's an interesting question, me, because obviously it opens up a debate in terms of all the focus for Stephen at the moment is obviously trying to change a culture and mm-hmm. uh, trying to change a philosophy in terms of maybe the way we used to play. And I think that's the right thing because we were kind of being left behind very much in the doldrums for the last number of years but then you look at teams I suppose that have people will focus on the lack of possession for teams yet the most important stat that comes out is once to win the match and I mm-hmm. think Japan broke a record for that in their two games that they won so I think it's more than just about the possession thing even though Japan had little or no possession it's about the bits that they have or maybe that counter mm-hmm. attack and stuff are, the are the fitness levels and energy yeah. in the team to be, be able to be good enough to get you up the pitch to maybe pressure those teams I look at Ireland at the moment and we're obviously trying to play a certain way with Stephen but even in, in terms of us trying to press teams and particularly top teams I'm not sure if that's there at the moment that we have that athletic ability in, a, in and around the pitch at the moment so that might be something for them to look at I suppose to answer your question about where we would finish in that I think we right now at this moment in time, Ray, and after me watching all the teams, and as much as I want to see Stephen do well, and as much as I want Ireland to do well, we'd struggle in that World Cup. Fergal? Uh, yeah, I probably would agree with Alan in terms of you want to put a positive spin on it, and obviously looking forward to, to the Euro qualifiers starting in, in 2023. But I, I do think we're seeing sides that are on the kind of shelf down from the elite nations, which you would, you would include Ireland in, and it shows that well-coached, motivated does get results and and those are two massive things that Stephen Kenny is building this Irish team on making sure they're coached in the right way that they're not slipping back into old habits and that they are motivated and we just don't know because we haven't seen Stephen Kenny at a a major tournament with Mm -hmm. Ireland and until that is the case obviously it's a difficult proving ground to look at but I think this is an example that should be a positivity going into the Euros campaign of coaching is king in these situations. International football has moved on from the old days. The idea of just kind of winging it at a major tournament and just galvanising it as you go just doesn't work anymore. Um, And Stephen Kenny's obviously never been a supporter of that type of attitude. And I think that will serve him well moving forward. I think in defence of Stephen as well, we've seen that against Portugal. When they went to Portugal away from home, it was only Ronaldo who obviously... um, cost us the result really you know and we were brilliant that was well coached well performed Mm -hmm. something like what we're seeing from some of the teams at the moment so it can be done Marie and it should give him hope also I covered the Netherlands in a couple of the games and there's nothing to obviously better players than us but there's nothing to fear in terms of we have no chance against them Okay, well I think Stephen Kenny is over there so he'll probably take a bit of solace from seeing some of the performances and the the value of that really good coaching Uh, Fergal we'll chat to you in a little while we'll be building up to those 7 o'clock games Alan stay with us as well we're going to take a very quick break now and then it's rugby. RTE 2FM. Welcome back. It's time now to talk rugby. Shane Byrne is with me on the line. Shane, how are you? 
I'm very well, and yourself? Ah, sure, Grand. I was looking at the RG website um, a little bit earlier on, and it's a crazy World Cup day. Uh, so much drama. Lots of people in work won't have got to see the games. But the second most read story is the one about Ronan O'Gara deciding to stay at La Rochelle despite the England talks and the fifth one then is Eddie Jones hitting back at the Clive Woodward criticism so there's a huge amount of interest in what's going on um, with Ronan Agar with the England job with Eddie Jones and all the drama that is rolled into uh, that whole uh, situation what's your read of it all? I think Ron Nagar has made the right decision. Um, look, it's a great compliment for the guy and he said it right that, look, if, if a country like England come calling, you pay attention. Mm-hmm. But he's very happy where he is. I think he's 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 step-by-step step gaining the experience he needs to make a huge impact wherever that is. We all hope it's back over here and we hope that it's, it's going to be with Munster or Ireland or whatever. But he is just getting better better at his job England is a massive opportunity yes look it would be we'd all find it a bit odd mm. if, he, if he went <laughs> over there but Eddie Jones is under serious pressure I, I my gut says they won't change him until the, the World Cup they'll stick with him for, for the Do World Cup so? but yeah my gut feels it that way okay. because he has, he has a he has a record of getting teams ready for World Cups and you know regardless of what happens beforehand he does well in the World Cups as we know they were runners up last time out and um, you know I think that might just see it through but look there's plenty of people out there and there's no doubt about it. I think it's their worst season since 2008 or something like that I think it is and that game against South Africa was abysmal there is, they were rudderless and as we know South Africa were missing what would you say seven or eight frontliners mm-hmm. so they probably weren't at their best and England literally could had no answer, nothing for what 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 South Africa were doing, and it, it's a shame. It's really English English rugby should always be on top with the massive massive numbers of players that they have, but it's it's in a bit of a shambles at the moment, club and country. Yeah, and it feels like just given everything that's happened um, this autumn, and and even just his attitude to the Six Nations, and then the brand that 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 suffers as off the back of that negativity that's around. It feels like it's a bit of a risk now, um, just given there is a Six Nations to come and a World Cup and then like a whole other year has gone by. But you see, the, the, the problem is, is that you wouldn't want, if you had real ambitions to be a very, very successful coach for England or whoever, coming in now isn't exactly a great time to come in. After November International, less than a year to run to a World Cup where you will be judged on how the team does there. You know, would you have time to stamp your authority on it a couple of months run into the Six Nations you could very all of a sudden have a very very bad Six Nations everybody's critiquing you like if you think of the Martin Johnston era like that just didn't work out because it was all rushed in and so I think some of the people who would be very interested in the England job might be going no after the World Cup when he's Mm -hmm. meant to step down he's already said he will I'd be quite happy to take it then but up until that point no yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see how it uh, rumbles on over the next a little while. It's getting plenty yeah. of headlines anyway. Uh, let's it look is. at tonight, Munster and Edinburgh. It's been such a, an emotional week for everybody in Edinburgh um, yeah. with the passing of Duddy Weir. For the Munster team to head over there with everything that's going on, it's it's always going to be a difficult difficult assignment. Um, just given with the the emotion that comes into these kind of games, isn't it? Um, yeah, firstly, I suppose from a monster point of view, at least good to see they're going over fully loaded with Europe next week. Traditionally, there might have been a few rested, but that's not the way their season has been going. They really have to go as hard as they can at every game now, and they need to get a win on the road. They need to take that box this stage in the season to start getting back up into the playoff areas. But yeah, look, the story about this is, is for the team, Edinburgh have heaps of internationals coming back. But it's not about that. They have a huge cause with, with Doddy Weir, good pal, and he's had a huge effect all around the world, but particularly there in Edinburgh. And the fight he fought against that absolute nightmare of a disease, motor neuron disease. And his legacy will be huge. And, you know, it's going to give Edinburgh massive, massive motivation. So Munster will be up against it. Uh, you know, it'll be very, very hard hill to climb for them tonight, um, you know, despite having a very, very good team named.
Yeah, it is one of those uh, difficult ones. So mm. we have Leinster and Ulster tomorrow. Uh, top of the table clash. Leo is out talking to the media. Leo Cullen a little bit earlier. He spoke to Michael Corker. And let's hear from him. We've got a number of guys come back this week, which is great. A lot of guys have a bit of time off last week. I think it's just freshening guys up before this. As in, obviously, we've started this big block of games already. We talked about Glasgow last week. Ulster, yeah, it's great really is in terms of huge game for us. First against second in the league, which leads us into Europe next week. So unbelievably exciting period for us as a club. And it's you know two strong teams going at it now tomorrow night. Conditions are beautiful out there today, but won't be uh, sunny tomorrow at half seven. But we'll see how it is this time of year. You've got to be able to adapt to conditions on the day. But yeah, as I said, it's, it's coming to that like it's pretty pivotal time of the year, isn't it? So it's the perfect fixture in many ways. Leo Cullen there speaking to Michael Corcoran. You can tell he just wants that tough game before he heads into Europe, doesn't he, Shane? Yeah, <laughs> and he's going to get it. Yeah, I, I, I really do think, if you think about it over the last decade or whatever, Leinster have kind of had almost a hoodoo over the other provinces. And you have to say, of all the provinces, Ulster have done the best to shake it. So I don't think that Ulster are in fear. It's, isn't it great to see two absolutely fully loaded and I have to say 23s because Leinster's bench in particular is is absolutely insane with experience yeah Ulster's as well they have Vermeulen Oak Stockdale all on the bench uh, Herring as well but Leinster's has Sheehan Porter and Furlong as a front row like they're going to come on and make a huge impact then you've Doris. Great to see young uh, Charlie Tector getting a, a run there as well. Mm-hmm. But it's great to see two sides absolutely fully loaded going into this game. It's going to be an absolute cracker. And, you know, particularly we, you know, Ulster have had success on the road against uh, Leinster as well in recent times. And this is something that they will want to continue. We also have Connacht and Benetton this weekend and good mm-hmm. to see Mac Hansen coming back from that injury he picked up on Ireland duty. Yeah, it is good. Against Australia, I think it was, that uh, he got that injury. Great to see him back. And you could argue that um, this team is probably stronger, more experienced than the team that played Munster last week. Uh, you've Murray, Dowling, Paul Boyle, Marmion, all these guys coming back into the side. So I think they're, they're really well set. Now, Treviso travelling over Treviso are becoming a bit of a handful um, they beat Edinburgh last week and they are playing some very very good rugby so the days of not being too concerned about particularly Treviso travelling they're very definitely gone they're a side that if you show any weakness at all they will capitalise on it so we'd love to see a, a, a great traditional Connacht display where good fast flowing rugby but very very much Dominus play in this in the sports ground because they'll need it against a, a sharp Treviso team. Absolutely. Uh, Shane Byrne, thank you so much for joining us. Have a nice weekend and we will talk to you soon. We're going to take a break, but stay with us because Jane Mangan is standing by. RTE 2FM Coming to the final flight in the Barwonracing.com Hatton's Grace Hurdle. It's Honey Suckle and Rachel Blackmore on the unbeaten champion hurdlers safely over. They took their time. Ronald Pump is in second and then Abacadabra. Honey Suckle and Rachel Blackmore. They're a remarkable combination. Season in, season out. Three Hatton's Grace Hurdles. Now, Honey Suckle, Jane Mangan is with us on the line. Jane, last season, hard to believe. Yeah, that commentary, I know I'm a big Taylor Swift fan and that's actual music, but the commentary of Honeysuckle is is music to many sports persons' ears as well. She's just been remarkable, isn't she? Um, and this is her final seasonal debut. I have to give Connections credit. They've been very transparent. This will be the Mayor's final year. She's eight, rising nine in the new year. And... Uh, so Irish fans, I would expect them to be flocking to Fairy House on Sunday to get a sight of her in what will probably be her third final, um, her third last Irish appearance because she has a route mapped out this season. She'll start here in in uh, Fairy House. She'll go to this Dublin Racing Festival in February. She'll go to March in Cheltenham, Cheltenham in March even, and of course finish up hopefully at Punchestown in April. So you know me, Marie. I am captain of her fan club. Uh, to date, she hasn't been beaten. A lot of people are talking about Constitution Hill, but 
to date, Honeysuckle, she's the queen. She's a dual champion and she's facing into history this weekend because no horse has ever won four Hatton's Graces, never mind four Hatton's Graces in a row. And uh, I just think she's uh, she's just there to be enjoyed this season. Andrew says, the producer, Andrew the producer, reckons that if she wins, he'll be able to put some Taylor Swift music to the commentary just for you, Jane. You know, our producer, Conor O'Hare, has actually been doing the opener for RTE Racing to uh, the backing track of Antihero all day, oh, all, all, all month. So he's, he's second in line, he's second in line. But I will say, I will say Honeysuckle will have to be good to, to bring up a fourth Hatton's, uh, Hatton's Grace hurdle. She can't afford to be ring rusty. She can't afford to be less than her best, if I'm honest, because... She beat Ronald Pump in this race the last two years. Ronald Pump, solid stare, but he's rated 156. In this year's renewal, she's facing the likes of a classical dream who's rated 163. So you don't have to be a mathematician to know he's a better horse than Ronald Pump and he's going to put up more of a, a task to the mayor. Salia is in there. He's rated 160. I don't believe in his rating, but he's got it for a reason. Uh, Ashdale Bob's a good stare. And there's a horse in there called Tehupo. He's a five-year-old. He's a young pretender. He won the Red Mills trial last year at Gorn by 11 lengths beating Durasso, who's quite a solid yardstick. And I give him a lot of respect too because he's only five rising six-year-old and I think this isn't going to be a walkover for her. This is going to be a proper test. Don't Nobody should be under any illusions. She's going to have to turn up and dance a lot of dances but she's going to have to be ready for, for battle this weekend. Well, Alan Cawley's here as well. Alan, we've seen much, so much drama and so many shocks and unexpected results. Surely Honeysuckle can't be another one. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that. I don't think that'll translate to the racing world and hopefully not because I would echo everything that Jane has said about Honeysuckle. What a marvellous horse. And Jane, just on that, you touched on it there. Do you think people are being a little bit disrespectful towards Honeysuckle because obviously the impressive performance Constitution Hill put in last week and the potential that that horse has? I do think that people like a new shiny penny and they want to back potential rather than what we know is a dual champion and people love to pick holes in perfection and to date that is what her race record is it is perfection so uh, that's human nature and it makes the game interesting do I think it's disrespectful to the mayor I thought it was probably disrespectful not having her top of the hurdle champion hurdle market after he did what he did in a novice race I can see now why he's top of the market after what he did in the fighting fifth last week but um as it should be the case, he did the talking on the track last weekend. There was a lot of talking off the track of Constitution Hill. He did all that needed to be said on the track with his performance. And I think that's what Honeysuckle has done throughout her career. OK, well, let's hear from Henry de Bromert, who was talking about Honeysuckle's form. She had a really good holiday back with Peter and Maloney. She came back looking really well to us. And she's been in really good form. Yeah, we're delighted with her. When you saw the support she got at Punchestown last spring, like, it's incredible, the following she has. But, you know, she's entitled to have it. She's an amazing mare, and we feel very... Well, yeah, we all feel very lucky to be involved with her. She loves winning, and she's just got a great will to win, great constitution. She's touch wood sound. You know, she's just, you dream of training horses like her. But every time she runs, she's such a following. There's always a real buzz and a lot of tension. So it's, but it's great. And a bit of pressure as well, I'd say, Jane. A lot of pressure. I'd say try talking to any of the connections pre-race and you'll uh, you get very short answers if they agree to talk to you at all. And why, why, there is, of course, there's pressure. Why not? It's... I know a lot of people will say, you know, she's no point to prove anymore. You don't have to worry about the unbeaten record. But of course you will. If she was yours, it is an extra string to her bow. And she's got, she, every time she wins, she's stretching a record that another horse has to reach for. And yeah, look, she's she's a sensation. And I've been, um, I've, I've just been enjoying watching her throughout her career. And if I'm honest, I think she's, help make Rachel Blackmore the star that she is that we all know and uh, I think for all her connections she has been one in a million Okay well it's uh, set up for an exciting weekend and also just an exciting season as well to see how it all plays out and no doubt Jane you will be keeping us up to speed on all of that and all the rest of the racing as well uh, Big weekend in Fairy House 
Yeah, Sunday's huge. I, I honestly, and I tweeted today like a big saddle, um, that <laughs> the the three grade ones on Sunday is like Christmas coming early because the depth of quality. So we've mentioned the Hatton's Grace, just this Drinmore chase. It's a novice chase, two and a half miles. There's 11 runners. And a lot of them are very high cl- class grade one winning novice hurdlers. So you take Mighty Potter, he's 150 over hurdles. He was very good in Down Royal in his beginner's chase. Tree Stripe Life from the same yard, Gordon Elliott was very good in his chase debut, having won a grade one over hurdles at Aintree. You've got the likes of Guyards and Manil from William Mullins' yard. He was third in an Irish national, third in a grade one at Cheltenham last year. Amazingly, he's still a maiden over fences and he's the choice of Paul Townend. Banbridge won an article trial for Joseph O'Brien and JJ Slevin at Cheltenham last month. He's in there as well. And and there's so much more. That, in comparison to the British comparison, I know we, we like to draw lines through the English and Irish form, there is four runners in the equivalent race in Sandown on Saturday. There is 11 in Fairy House and all of them of, of good quality, whereas John Bond looks like he's got something of a penalty kick um, uh, at Sandown for Aidan Coleman and Nicky Henderson. So I just think this the depth of this race is representative of the depth of quality, uh, of, of equine quality in this country because there's a lot of horses and they all have to meet at some stage. They're meeting in the Drinmore. And of course, the novice hurdle division, two miles, is the Royal Bond, won by Statuaire last year. She caused a huge shock. Would Willie Mullins uh, cause a shock this year with another mare called Ashro Diamond? That's the Mount of Patrick Mullins who won an entry bumper on her last year but Willie does saddle the favourite unsurprisingly he's got Champ Kiley in there and Hercule de Soy they're the top two in the market at the moment Champ Kiley having beaten Brazil so well at Tipperary last time in the Joe Mack the grade three down there He's franked the form since. It's no surprise to see him top of the market. But Hercule de Soy was good in the for auction at Navin. Irish Point is a very interesting import from France for Jack Kennedy and Gordon Elliott. He was very good at Cork in his maiden. And Marine Nacional for Barry Conlon, Michael O'Sullivan. He's three from three. I don't think we've scratched the surface of that horse yet. This is the kind of race that really sets the men from the boys. Um, and let's see if they can take that step from... Winner's company up to grade one. It's a big jump, but some of them will flounder and some of them will fly. So we're all going to be watching you anyway uh, at Fairy House the weekend, but is there anything else you need to be keeping an eye out for, Jane? You do. On Saturday, the return of arguably, for me, the most exciting horse this season, Facile Vega. Do we remember that horse? That horse that was the banker in the Cheltenham bumper last year. He was unbeaten. He's out of Key Vega, who was a six-time Cheltenham Festival winner, a boy walk in the park who's a sire sensation. He returns in a maiden hurdle tomorrow at Fairy House. That is a, a must-watch. He's not a betting prospect, of course, but you know we're talking about novice hurdlers and and and, and grade ones. But he's probably you know a grade one masquerading in a hurdle, and let's see how he adapts to jumping. But uh, there there's an awful lot of sport on at the moment. I'm trying, Alan. I'm trying my best to watch as much World Cup as I can. There's been a lot of shocks in that. I do not need a shock in the Hatton's Grace. <laughs> I don't think you'll get one, Jane. To be fair, and I hope you don't either. But tune into the football. You'll enjoy it. The last two nights have been absolutely incredible. Loads of Alan Cawley. That's what you'll get. Yeah, I, I, it's, it, it's nice to have it on in the background. I love a little bit like Wimbledon, how we all turn into soccer aficionados uh, once every four years. We actually are soccer aficionados. Jane, I'll take you to a match I speak for myself. Yeah. I'll take you to a match someday, Jane, and tell you all about <laughs> Yourself it. Yourself and Ruby to League of Ireland match. Yeah. Um, Jane, we have to go. That's all we time for. But uh, thank you for all of that. And we'll chat to you next week. And you can uh, bring us up to speed on Honeysuckle. Uh, talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. RTE 2FM. Live music on 2FM. So kiss me the way. Dermot Kennedy. Live. If we dead tonight. Almond Park Limerick. Friday, 7th of July. Due to phenomenal demand. An extra date added on Saturday, the 8th of July. Tickets available now from Ticketmaster.ie. Dermot Kennedy Live at Thomond Park. Tickets available now. Live music on 2FM. Buying presents for extended family can be hard, but there's something for everyone in the Macaulay Christmas magazine. From skincare and beauty to fragrance and electrical, I got their great value skincare box for my aunt and a lovely Kinvara Irish gift set for my cousin. I know they'll love them. 
You can buy in-store or online for home delivery or click and collect. So that's Christmas sorted, thanks to Macaulay. Available in-store and online at macaulay.ie slash Christmas. Macaulay, giving feels good. This is the greatest gift. There's nothing like getting a card or parcel in the post. So send from the heart and get 20 Christmas stamps for just 20 euro from onpost.com or your local post office. And don't forget, the last day for posting to Canada is Wednesday, December 7th. On Post, for your world. For more information, see onpost.com slash Christmas. The Euro Millions Mega Draw is back and it's pretty big. I mean, it's totally massive. This Friday, the Euro Millions jackpot will be a guaranteed 130 million euro. It's just too big to miss. Play responsibly in-store, in-app or at lottery.ie. The National Lottery. It could be you. A voucher for Kilronan Castle Estate and Spa is the ideal luxury Christmas gift. Enjoy a once-in-a-lifetime experience with award-winning cuisine. Receive the ultimate in private pampering in our spa with breathtaking historical views. Give a voucher for Kilronan Castle Estate and Spa, where time stands still. See kilronancastle.ie. It's the final days of the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. And your last chance to get our best Black Friday deals. Like our range of stylish and affordable double bed frames from as little as 199 Wardrobes from only 249 Plus get up to a massive 50% off our range of Christmas bed linen. With our best prices guaranteed. In store and online. So why shop anywhere else? But hurry, the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale must end soon. Don't miss out. Be in the now with Jen Zapparelli. Weekdays from 9 on 2FM. So on Friday show, lip syncer Kaylee Trapp told me about a totally cringy moment with a fella she fancied. Listen to this. I worked in the West Centre at a restaurant in Monaghan and uh, he came in to pay for his food and he had the money clenched in his fist to go and drop it onto my hand, like Ew. the tenor. As he was approaching, I, it looked like a fist, so I, I gave him a fist bump. <laughs> he did a fist bump. Oh. I'm back on Monday at 9. Jennifer Zamparelli on 2FM with Virgin Mobile. Stay connected with 99% network coverage. Virgin Mobile. Bring on amazing. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome back. We are building up to the seven o'clock games, the clash of Serbia and Switzerland and Cameroon and Brazil. They are kicking off at seven o'clock. But before we talk about them, we are joined now on the line by Jeff Shepard. To get a gauge of the chances the USA have against the Netherlands on Saturday. Shep, how are you? I'm doing great, Marie. How are you? Good. So, how much of a chance do you guys have? Hey, look, um, I, I think the, it starts with, you know, getting Christian Pulisic healthy. Um, he has a pelvic contusion. We'll just let all the jokes go, you know? I mean... <laughs> They're a little obvious. I think he um, actually we'll, addressed it. We'll just let the <laughs> correct. Yes, yeah. yeah, he did. I don't think this is, this is such a family friendly show. I don't really yeah. think we can play the audio. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, you know, he he scored a goal against Iran on uh, I guess Tuesday, and um, you know, was injured shortly, you know, right after he scored, and, and went to the hospital. He says he's doing everything he can. He's he's listed as as day to day, and you know, then again, aren't we all though, really? Um, but. <laughs> He is. Uh, he said he's doing everything he can to get back out on the field, as you kids would call it, the pitch uh, tomorrow for the match against Holland. And so, um, you know, he. It, I mean, he. It's. He's. He's the guy who makes us go. I mean, he. He's the only one who can really, you know, in the way that the current lineup is formatted. You know, who's who's been getting shots on goal consistently, and you know, and can score. And so, you know, he got one in against Iran the other day. Um, you know, Maria, I was reading about the match earlier, and, you know, we talked last week going into the, the, the match before England, you know, it would be great if the U.S. could get a a uh, another quick goal, like an early, you know, an early goal sometime in the first half. And it, that really, they are very much a first-half team, or they have been in their three matches so far, um, you know, over over in the World Cup. They... You know, they scored in the first half against Wales. They scored in the first half against Iran. And then they didn't give up, you know, it was a nil-nil in England, in the England match. But they really kind of clamped down on England's offensive attack in the first half. And so they really play much better in the first half. And so 
they're gonna have to that they're gonna need to get a goal in the first half tomorrow, if not two, you know. Um, and then it seems like some of the midfield guys will get a little bit tired. And look, they had to play almost 99 minutes on Tuesday. And and the Dutch, you know, they got to rest a lot of their main players because they they you know their match was pretty much meaningless, and so um, they will have an advantage going into this. Um, but again, if Pulisic gets healthy, and maybe we get a you know a first half goal, I like you know I mean I know that's two big ifs and two big things that need to happen. But uh, I, I mean if if you know one happens, pretty good shot. Both of them happen, you know, great shot to win this match. Alan Colley is here as well. Alan, you haven't been too impressed with the Netherlands so far. No, uh, I watched them the first day I covered that game against Senegal and I was disappointed with them, Marie. And obviously there was a lot of hope and a lot of hype about them coming in pre-tournament but I think the injury to Memphis Depay obviously kind of has hindered him a lot now they've tried to get him some minutes in the tournament and I think he'd probably be okay to play tomorrow because he's featured in the last two games but I would give the USA a great chance especially if they play with the energy um, that they showed in a couple of the group games obviously against England I think the first half against Wales they were terrific as well but the key man as Shep rightly says Pulisic you need him on the pitch he's been great in the tournament for them and he's not really a goal scorer he's more a creator of goals but he gets them up the pitch their strengths lie in the midfield area the three three boys in midfield are very very strong uh, Moussa McKenney mm-hmm. and, and Tyler Adams but I think Pulisic is the key and if they have him on the pitch I think they can trouble the Netherlands um, over there, Shep, it feels like that this team are being treated almost like a cult. They're like a major brotherhood and, and they are kind of just doing it for themselves. Is that the sense that you're getting? It's interesting. Pulisic kind of referenced that. Uh, he was asked a question about it uh, yesterday about, you know, how they've been kind of feeding off the energy. And, you know, he, he feels like they're stronger this year than they were a couple of years ago. Even though, like we talked about last week, I think they were the second youngest team going into this tournament. He feels that you know they're they're playing with kind of a sense of camaraderie. Look, um, I mean the, the the match against England last week. I mean everybody you know everybody I know was watching it. Um, you know the, the the Iran match on Tuesday was a little bit difficult. It was in the middle of the week in the middle of the day. Um, you know you guys are getting the matches at night. We're getting them in the day. I like it because I'm still working from home some, so I get to you know watch TV and work, which is great. But um, Right. So, but tomorrow, uh, you know, it's going to be like 9, 9.30 in the morning over here when this tips off, kicks off. And so, you know, uh, there's not a lot of college football to compete with tomorrow. Uh, the season's pretty much over. So, I mean, it's going to be like the number one thing going on on the sports calendar for the majority of the country tomorrow. And so, I, I mean, I think it's going to do a tremendous, you know, television rating. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely, you know, my whole family will be up. We'll be watching it. Um, you know, I mean, look, th- we don't we don't always make the World Cup. I mean, we, we've talked about our struggles in, in men's soccer before. We don't always make the Cup, and when we do, we don't always make it to the round of 16. And so, um, you know, one of the defining sports moments of the last 15 years was Landon Donovan's goal in 2010 uh, against Algeria to get into the round of eight, and I we lost to the to the Netherlands in that next match. And so, um, you know, I, I, it can be done. Um, as Alan was saying, but, you know, it's it, Pulisic getting back, setting things up, the midfield, he's spot on. Those three guys have been phenomenal. Uh, the goal play has been great. And so the, it's all there. They're just so young. Can they put it all together in a, in a match of, with this magnitude? Fergal Brennan is with us as well. Fergal, it's just, uh, it's been interesting listening to the narrative around Belgium and Kevin De Bruyne and how he plays better for Manchester City. Well, obviously, there's a lot of better players around him for Manchester City, but we're looking at Pulisic there and it's almost the opposite, that he seems to play so much better for his country than he does for his club. I think it's motivation. Um, and I think Kevin De Bruyne is is sick to the back teeth of having to play too much international football. His comments before the World Cup kind of mirrored his comments before the Nations League games in that he thinks too much is being put on elite level footballers in terms of the demands this season and obviously with a Winter World Cup. And that's, that's weighed heavy on him at the very moment where Belgium needed him. I'm not saying to to not speak out about these issues, but they needed him being the absolute force of nature that he can be on the pitch, and, and he just hasn't. Obviously, there's been other issues uh, right the way through the Belgium squad that's, that's backed that up. Whereas, as you say, Pulisic with, with the US squad, there's a sense of everybody pulling in the right direction. Pulisic is the name that jumps out to, to Premier League fans, to, to European football fans as the name. But when you watch them, he is important but it's not all about, almost like in a Wales situation, get it to Bale. I don't think it's a get it to Pulisic situation with the United 
with the United States because they've got so much quality, particularly in the middle of the pitch, that he can get them an important goal, as he did in the last game, but it's not all levered on his shoulders. And I think in that instance, when you're the star man in a team that's not relying on you, it gets the best out of you. Whereas you're the star man in a team that needs you to do something, Kevin De Bruyne with Belgium, Gareth Bale with Wales, very often it can go in the opposite direction. Shep, we're going to let you go now because we need to look at the Cameroon-Brazil game and Serbia-Switzerland. But thank you so much for joining us and we do wish you the best of luck tomorrow. I am wearing an orange jumper. I didn't mean to. It was a total accident. I'll make sure and get the USA jersey on tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's, un, that's unacceptable. I'm going to have my people call your people. <laughs> thanks, Shep. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Um, Alan Brazil and Cameroon kicking off at 7 o'clock. Danny Alves captaining Brazil at 39 years of age. Pretty impressive. Absolutely incredible, Marie. <laughs> and they've made 11 changes, I think. They've changed a the whole lot. So um, they're in that luxury position, obviously, where they can do that. They have six points on the board, get game time into the lads, part of the squad, and obviously rest the big boys as well. But for Danny Alves, he's been incredible. Obviously, I watched Suarez today, and mm-hmm. you think of his longevity, and I think that was his 137th cap today. 68 goals you look at Danny Alves as well in a nation as good as Brazil and to have the amount of caps he has and to be still doing it at 39 is incredible really Will Cameroon be look the thing about the Brazil you change your 11 players you still have 11 really good players and when the pressure's not on they're so capable of playing with freedom and putting on a bit of a, a show how will Cameroon cope Al? Yeah it'll be tough but but they I suppose you look at the results across the boards and we've discussed it earlier on that has to give them hope and the one thing with Cameroon they're weak enough defensively but going forward they're quite dangerous Chupa Moteng is in red hot form at Bayern Munich Abubakar comes into the team tonight um, so they're decent going forward they obviously scored three goals in their last game as well the worry is can they keep Brazil out even though it's 11 changes you say the strength and depth that they have Jesus Martinelli start up front tonight so they're again like what the conversation we had they're in with a chance Marie but I'd be surprised if they go through I think it's all about Brazil topping the group and the big game is Serbia and Switzerland what could possibly go wrong Serbia and Switzerland <laughs> Frigel you'd have to think that okay Serbia do have a lot of quality but Switzerland can be frustrating as well they can uh, and I think if you're looking for a team to to bed in sit in frustrate Switzerland certainly in, in European circles are, are one of the best I think they showed that against Brazil Brazil obviously got the goal through Casemiro little touch of luck um, to get it They've not been out-battled, out-thought, out-fought in any game, you know, and we all have experience of coming up against Switzerland. Um, and I, I fancy them to do it tonight because I think Serbia do have the better names. You're right in saying that. Dusan Vlahic has come back in. Alexander Mitrovic's um, international record is superb. And they've got names dotted through the team that you go, hmm, yeah, hmm, yeah, he's, he's good, he's good, he's good. Switzerland don't necessarily have that, but they're a really, really experienced unit at this type of a situation they're not going to go on and win the World Cup but they are used to being in and around last 16 getting over the line getting these things done I don't expect this to be a big goodbye to the group stages we've had some brilliant final day games in all the other groups I think this might actually just be a bit of a cold end to the group stages and Switzerland get over the line Brazil as we know are already through Um, I would be wary of making all them changes because We've seen teams that are already through make a mess of their final game and get a little bit nervous. Obviously, Brazil can't be dragged back down, but um, I think Switzerland will be okay. I think Serbia might have left it a bit too late. Okay, well, we will find out very shortly how those go because they've already kicked off.